It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Cheaters, and welcome to the Always Cheating Podcast. My name is Josh, and I'm here with special guest Elevenify, aka Steve. Steve, welcome. Thanks for coming on the pod. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to be here. Yeah, I'm excited to have you here. And uh, Brandon is off doing. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure what. Maybe maybe he's climbing. Uh, the Statue of Liberty today, or something like that. I'm not actually sure what his what his plans are. Uh, so it's just it's just me and you today, Steve. Uh, thanks for coming on. I uh, I've been reading your well, I guess I've been reading your tweets and following your Substack uh, for a couple. Of, when did you start that Substack? Was it a, like two years ago, something I, like that? I, I started it last season, the summer okay. of last season, and I started it specifically for uh, getting that piece out on thinking about hits. Okay. All right. Which I want to talk about in a second, but before we dive into that, cause that was sort of, that was kind of my introduction to you and I, I really enjoyed it. And, and you and I spent basically, you know, 360 days talking about uh, having you come on the pod sometime. So I'm very, very glad to have you here. Uh, but just, just to kick things off, uh, you know, what is 11 of What's, what's the origin of that name as well? And uh, why did you decide to create it? Yeah, sure. So um, uh, OGs will remember me originally as FPL Meta. That was the name I I went by originally. And then uh, Mark Zuckerberg kind of conducted a hostile takeover on the association (laughs) of that word. So I kind of had to rebrand at that point. And I just sort of well, I think one day 11 if I just came into my head as a kind of play on obviously the number 11 in the context of football yep. uh, and, and that's sort of where the rebrand came from. And then I did also have an, have a website, 11 previously and things like that. But really it's just a, it's just a, a rebranded name. Okay. And you have, I think, well, I know that you finished uh, something like 1800th last year. And I think at one, at one point you were doing, even were you in the, inside the top 1000 late in the season? I feel like I remember following you and you had a pretty extraordinary season last year. I, I didn't think we were going to get into my uh, bottling <laughs> of last season <laughs> quite, quite so quickly. Sorry. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so um, in terms so I've been playing for four seasons um, uh, in terms of rank history, it's, yeah, 2.6K, 25K, 28K, and then last season was 1.8K. Mm-hmm. And both that 2.6K season and this 1.8K season, I was in the top 100K um, around Game Week 30. And then my experience of Game Week 31 to 38 was a, a slow slide down to four digits, which is obviously still very good and I'm very happy with. But yeah. the three-digit the three, the three, digit, uh, three digit finish still eludes me. 
Yeah, you said you said top one k, right? I think you may have said one hundred k there, but you were you were in the top. Sorry, 1K, yeah, yeah. Right? So yeah, yeah, I was yeah, I was like five hundred, six hundred, something yeah. like that. You know, I have a similar story. I uh, my best finish ever is twelve twenty four. I'll never forget it. Burned into my brain, and I was up to five hundred as well, and I blew it in game week thirty eight. So that is uh, a painful. I may. Uh, maybe I'll get over it eventually. Uh, it hasn't happened yet. That was, that was four years ago. Um, and I, uh, I went against my, I was debating between, well, I don't need to, I, I feel like I've rehashed this story like 20 times in the podcast, but I was debating between Aguero and Sadio Mane for my captaincy for game like 38. And it was basically a coin flip, uh, as I recall. And I went, I went Aguero, which I thought was kind of the safer pick and, uh, Mane, Mane went off, scored a brace. I think Aguero just got me up an assist or something like that. So, you know, again, uh, I'll, we'll, we'll get there again, right, Steve? We'll, we'll, we'll crack that top one K maybe, maybe as soon as the season. Always possible. I I am slightly more pessimistic about that, but, <laughs> but, but we can hope. We can dream. Yeah, we can hope. I I think there's a little too much pessimism sometimes about the top 10k. I think it's. I actually think it's very crackable. I do not think that it's uh, quite as. It it, it takes. Um, it takes luck. There's no doubt about that. But I, I do not think that I feel like there's an attitude sometimes that, well, if I even finish in the top 50 K and, and certainly that's a, that's a, it's an excellent finish. Absolutely. Excellent finish. But I, I do think that, that, you know, if, if things sort of break the right way, it is very possible to crack the top 10 K, even with kind of the rise of people just being much smarter about FPL than they were a few years, a few seasons ago. Yeah. I think, I think to crack the, the, the top 10 K, I think we've got enough evidence now that you need to both play very well and also get very lucky. And this, the, the playing very well part is always within our control. So we can yes. always just do the best we can there and that's where the optimism lies. Yeah. And, and then just embrace, embrace the luck part of it, right? Just hope that, hope that the luck, 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 I mean, luck is, this is, you know, I don't know, maybe it's cause I, I have this background in, in poker, but I, I, I'm perfectly okay with luck being a significant factor. This is just something that I'm sort of, I'm comfortable with this, right? The randomness of it. I think that's sort of part of, part of the fun of it. And, uh, uh, maybe I've just been lucky. I don't know. You know, I mean, but I, I, but I do think, um, you know, I, I think that it's, uh, I am going into this season fully, I wouldn't say expecting exactly, but, but fully planning on at least cracking the top 50 K that feels like a very reasonable goal to go into for this season. And I, I feel like if I didn't feel that way, I would just be, um, I, I wouldn't be properly motivated. I think that it's, I think you've got to shoot like fairly high, um, to sort of spend the time doing the research and, and sort of getting this, you know, um, I don't know, like sort of putting your best foot forward in terms of your FPL approach and strategy. Yeah. And it looks like we're going to have the most normal quotation marks season (laughs) for a while. So, so (laughs) hopefully it's an even playing field. Yeah. Well, well, thanks again for coming on. And I, one of the reasons that I wanted to have you on is I think you offer a slightly different perspective from, from Brandon and I, and Brandon and I, um, we, I think we probably overdo it sometimes, uh, in terms of the eye test stuff. I mean, I think both of us are, are pretty comfortable looking at OptiData. I'm an FPL review obsessive. I think it's fantastic. I know, I know you're a fan as well. Um, but one thing I think that you do is I think you combine, a, a, a sort of a data-based or data-focused approach with uh, with narrative, and I thought the example of that was uh, a post that you wrote last summer uh, talking about taking hits in, in fantasy. And during the 
2021-2022 season, you went through the entire season without taking a single hit. So in the Substack post, which anyone can go and find, if they look for 11FI on Substack or look for you on Twitter, they can they can find this post. Uh, maybe you can like re- retweet it this week or something like that. Yeah, sure, uh, sure. But you you talk a little bit about about why why all hits aren't the same, and I'm just curious. How many hits, if, if you know offhand or if you can recall roughly, like how how much did your approach change last season? Like, did you take a number of hits? Was that was it kind of where you know where the double game weeks throw that off a little bit? Like, how would you know has your approach changed at all? So, so what I would say is that my approach to hits is as outlined in that article. I, I haven't really changed in terms of any philosophy or general attitude I have towards them. Yeah. The, the, the actual taking of them changed quite a lot last season and any of these seasons where we've had kind of funky fixture stuff happening. Because yeah. one of the key kind of core things I I outline in in the post, which we can go into some of, we can go into to some of the specific things I've mentioned, but I talk about this kind of framework for evaluating a hit because it, generally speaking, it's very hard to know when a hit is worth taking or not. And yep. even after the fact, when you've got all of the, the hindsight data, even at that point, it's difficult. So let alone, it's not easy beforehand either. So I outlined a couple of kind of, heuristics or just kind of ways of thinking mm-hmm. um, that, that can help you. But what I found is that those weren't really necessary when we had those uh, seasons with uh, funky fixture stuff going on because yeah. it, it just became a lot more evident uh, pre-moves that a certain hit was worth doing or not. It becomes a lot more black and white when you're suddenly dealing with um, – a transfer involving more or less fixtures rather than just different fixtures. Um, yep. So that kind of killed a lot of those, those heuristics. Yeah. I thought you, one of the takeaways that I took from it was the idea that, um, you know, there's an idea in blackjack that um, you should either always or never hit on 16. Um, that sort of, in some ways it's, it's sort of 50, 50 and you should just kind of decide you, you may disagree with this, but this is what I might, what I've always heard, uh, which is that, you know, it's sort of, it doesn't really matter whether you hit or not. I mean, obviously it sort of depends on what's showing, but like, you know, let's just say that, that the dealer has a eight or something like that, um, that you should either always, always or never hit on 16. And that's just sort of like a black and white, black and white rule that you should follow. But I feel like and I think some people think about hits the same way, which is that they're like, they're a manager who is very aggressive towards hits or they're someone who is very, like very reluctant to take hits. And I felt like in this article, you sort of outlined that it's, it's, it's almost the opposite of that approach. You shouldn't think of it like, like, like whether or not you hit on 16, you should think of it more like the situation, like it's, it's just incredibly situational dependent. And so kind of in any given week, you could maybe take a hit. Right. And it just sort of depends on, any number of factors is that is that a fair reading of that article yeah that's absolutely fair and i think um to add further context to my hitler season i think something some people misunderstand sometimes is it wasn't an experiment or something i set out to do it it just happened to be that way that over the 38 game weeks um things went so well for me and perhaps maybe i played well enough that I didn't actually need to take any hits. Um, 
but I but I could have just as easily taken you know five hits in that season. Gen- generally speaking, I'm not a I don't take many. My play style, if there is such a thing, my play style is very conservative. In the other three seasons, I think it was one hit four hits and three hits. So even the COVID seasons were very, very few. Um, but yeah, it's, it's all about, it's all about the situation. And that's kind of why I outlined those, that kind of checklist of things to think about. So, you know, does it, does it allow you to gain a captaincy? Does it help you with some injury or some minutes? Does it, also add some team value uh you know what about your chip strategy does it help you align with or bring you closer to that stuff like that if those are the kind of things you should be running through when you're thinking about that and at least you're never going to get it 100 percent right or with 100 percent confidence but i think in the context of all of the uncertainty over the maths of whether it's worth it i think if you follow those kind of principles you're going to at least move closer towards more worthwhile hits than not and just i, I want to touch on one thing we mentioned before which is that you, you describe your your managerial style as somewhat conservative and i i think that's interesting because sometimes i i do wonder whether it is possible to get up to inside the top 1k playing a conservative approach um and and clearly based on the evidence of, of your season last year that it, that it is i i guess sometimes i wonder if you have to be a little bit unorthodox in order to um, be, just because of the sort of similarities in terms of ownership styles, um, or in, in terms of ownership, like the sort of this, this, this idea of the template and sort of very popular picks. And so, so, I mean, do you think that there was something that you got especially right last season that helped you get into the top one K or do you think it was just, I mean, obviously again, luck is a factor. There's, there's no, there's, there's, there's nothing wrong with, with, with acknowledging that. But do you think that there was something that you did last season that really clicked or really worked uh, especially well? Yeah. So I think when, when you, when you were, um, when you were saying that it, it reminded me of um, a podcast you guys did last summer. I think when you were, you did it live from was it the Blue Wire Studios and uh, yes, and, Vegas, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and you were talking about picking your game week one team and and I think you specifically you were saying oh I hate that my game week one team looks so much like everyone else's and then you you kind of said that actually game week two is when the game really starts and you can you yeah. know quotation marks play your own game and the reason I, the reason that sort of come to mind is because I think a lot of people forget just how many accumulative different decisions there are in a season of 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 fpl you've got 38 game weeks plus chips and then each game week you have 12 if you include captaincy point scoring avenues and over a season that creates so many different kind of i guess trees trees is a good way you know kind of Mm -hmm. in like programming trees if you think about it like that or different branches of 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 outcomes that even if you are or like even if you think you're staying very close to everyone else over time just small deviations will accumulate leading to drastically different outcomes so i think people and it's not easy to do we'll get into the psychology a bit. It's not easy to take stock of that every single game week when you're making these individual decisions. But but I think if you can take stock of that and play in that kind of way and just trust in 
over a season, these kind of things will will sort themselves out. These decisions yeah. will accumulate in the right kind of way. Avoid that temptation to do something wacky, do something crazy because you think you're really far behind or, or something like that. And I think that's probably what I did. If you, The question specifically was, what do I think I did quite well last season? Is I think I did that. And actually, if I did have to analyse what went wrong near the end, I, I do think I didn't do that for the last six, seven, eight game weeks. I think I got a little bit too in my head. And okay. um, when I saw that I when I when I saw that I was the rank that I was, if I had to pick something, I would say I got a little bit too up in my head. I made certain decisions that I wouldn't usually make. Yeah. Um, you know, specifically last season, for example, I the reason the main reason for my slide was I didn't own Salah for the entire end of the season when everyone else did. Um, But that's fine. I don't, I don't regret my decision. And I think if I had the opportunity again, I would probably make the same decision, but um, just consistent decisions over the season, I think is, is, is what people should focus on. Yeah. I think it's, I think it is tricky down the stretch not to really try to, I, it's it's interesting. I actually think at the at the beginning of the season, it's a little easier for me to avoid some of the template conversations. And I I honestly try to go out of my way to avoid looking at other people's squads um, because I don't really mind having a squad that's similar to everybody else. I just don't want to know it. I don't I don't want to see everyone else's. And and you know, as long as I feel like I've picked them myself and they're my own choices, but. I find down the stretch, I'm, I'm much more aware and, and, so, and to some degree it, it does make sense because, um, down the stretch, I'm maybe looking at the teams of the three or four managers who are, uh, that I'm competitive with in a mini league and, and thinking a little bit more about that. And I, I feel like I have uh, a temptation sometimes to really kind of go for it. You know, it's like, I'm trying to, I don't know, it's like going for the green on two or whatever. It's like you want to just, kinda, yeah, you know, yeah, I think that's quite natural. Cause I think at the beginning of the season, everybody is in your thoughts and then towards the end of the season it's those specific people that are in your thoughts whether it be your mini league rivals or whether it be the band of you know top 50k managers that you're competing with actively that's kind of where your focus shifts and and where i think eo based decision making can creep into your decisions yeah, absolutely. Well, good. All right. Well, this is this is a nice a nice little taste of what we're going to talk about on, on today's pod. Uh, I want to talk a little bit more about data itself. So FBL and data. Uh, then we're going to look at some squad and player thoughts ahead of the new season. So some real, like what I think might be some real practical discussions uh, that'll be useful for people listening. Uh, and then finally, uh, I put the call out to our always treating Patreon supporters and asked them uh, if they had any questions for you. And uh, many of them did. And so I've, I've dropped a few questions from uh, supporters in at the bottom of the pod as well. And so uh, speaking of Patreon, I just want to quickly uh, plug our Patreon. Uh, it's uh, it's the first of the month, so it's a great time to uh, become a new Patreon supporter. I'm going to patreon.com slash always cheating. Uh, we'll be doing bonus pods. We actually have a, uh, a guest lined up for next week for a specific uh, Patreon pod. I'm really excited to, to have this person on. Uh, and uh, all week long, we do an extra pod um, for our Patreon supporters. Uh, you can also talk uh, strategy and join lots of mini leagues. So if you're looking to join a couple extra mini leagues, you can do that in our Discord. Um, and uh, at the higher pledge levels, we have our Brandon's new, the, the new commemorative 
of uh, glassware that Brandon just designed. He started to send those out to our uh, patrons at the top two tiers. Uh, so once again, that's patreon.com slash always cheating. Uh, we're also excited to partner with Fantasy Football Hub for our preseason content. Uh, you can go to, go to fantasyfootballhub.co.uk slash always for 50% off membership at any pledge tier. Uh, we have expert team reveals uh, available as well. Uh, many managers, uh, or many many of the many of the managers that you know and love on on social media, and they're they're, they're kind of all over the place. Uh, post on there, and you kind of sort of get an insight into their thinking a little bit, like we're doing on today's podcast. Uh, you can get your team rated by AI, and you get access to that wonderful Opta data which is the thing I most enjoy looking at throughout the course of a season. So once again, fantasyfootballhub.co.uk slash always is where you can go to get 50% off your Fantasy Football Hub membership this season. Let's take a break. We'll get back and we'll get right into our conversation with 11FI slash Steve. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, we're back. I'm here with 11FI, aka Steve, and we're talking about FPL data, thoughts on the new season, and lots more. So, um, first thing I want to talk about, though, because it, it's somewhat 
controversial, maybe controversial is too strong, but some people have very strong op- opinions about the use of data and modeling and FPL. And, uh, you know, I don't know how much you're, in, I, I don't see you in the trenches battling with people about this. So, you know, maybe you don't have strong opinions, but what, you know, what are your thoughts on the state of models and data and FPL right now? Yeah, sure. So yeah, I, th- I think it's easy for me to, to not be in the trenches because in my opinion, I, people overcomplicate what a model actually is. And I've always taken the view that a model is essentially just another way of expressing, I mean, a model in a technical sense, like we're talking about an FPL with your numbers and things like that, is basically just another expression of this, the sort of mental modeling that everyone playing FPL or making any decision actually is already doing and has so you know the models that we talk about in fpl that are really complicated with the predicted points that's sort of the the high end top of the range model that we talk about but actually people post bookies odds all the time and that's you know they use that to incorporate models that's that's just sort of a a more simplified model than that and then it just goes down and down and down to even our mental models that's a good point i mean the people that i don't think people realize that i think people still have an idea that bookies odds are uh, some guy with a sheet of paper right (laughs) you know like in a back room somewhere it's definitely not that yeah and i think i think um another way that i um express this sometimes is i use the example that actually anyone could make a model with numbers the same way that we talk about in fpl and they they could turn their mental model into it in a really crude way you just need to grab a piece of paper grab the fpl scoring rules and then just write down the percentages of what you think the likelihood of those things happening is so you know a midfielder gets five points for a goal I think this player has a 50% chance of scoring a goal. Okay, that's 2.5 points. You know, it's a very, it's a, it's a very crude yeah. model. It's just a very simple way of doing what these models are doing in essence. I think people really sort of overcomplicate them sometimes or think about them as a kind of black magic voodoo kind of thing. But really, it's again, it's just sophisticated forms of percentages and for anyone who thinks that it's that that this isn't being done by everybody i mean i'll you know i think we could point to uh fabio borges who's one of the most famous managers uh in 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 fantasy maybe maybe i mean when i say famous i'm sure there's people listening right now who have absolutely no idea who i'm talking about but he's one of the most uh successful and highly respected managers in, in in fantasy um has been has done extraordinarily well for a long time and i remember reading an interview with him a couple years ago where he talked about how he works for or at least he used to uh, he, you know, he worked for a betting company in Spain, right? And yeah. it's, and, yeah. and he, that's, and, you know, knowing what we, we just discussed with betting companies, they're, that they're all about modeling. So I'm not sure he necessarily even used one of their models, right? But at the very least, he's familiar with modeling and with the importance of it. And so I, I guarantee that that was the kind of inputs that he was using, right? Whether he had a crude model or, or just was comfortable with that kind of thinking. I think it's known that Fabio was one of the earliest adopters of the Tokvam model. So mm-hmm. uh, I think I think we know this stuff. You're absolutely right. 
Yeah. And yeah, the Takba model is great. I mean, that's, it's kind of interesting. I mean, I want to talk about what, what you do specifically, but just, I, I think it's fine for us to shout out some people as well. I mean, Mikhail Takba, I've been a, uh, a supporter of his for, for years. Um, FPL review, I, 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 whatever the premium membership is, I, I got that last season. And I, I mean, to me, it, I don't necessarily use them as a, as a, uh, I don't necessarily do what they tell me to do. I just enjoy looking at them. I, I have a lot of fun just looking at what the models say. And the part of the fun for me each week is trying to just gauge my own thoughts vis-a-vis what the models say. Right. And I don't know, you know, do you feel the same way or are you, do you feel like you're really kind of beholden to what the, what the models are, you know, spitting out? No, absolutely not. I think there's a couple of things on this. The first thing is that, you know, the pe- the person behind FPL Review will be the first person and is the first person to reiterate that it's a tool. It's an idea generation tool that is supposed to assist your decision making. It's not supposed to replace your decision making. And, and I think there is too often this idea that people just follow blindly what it tells you to do yeah. and 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 sure there are some people that do that they won't be very successful actually um yeah. because it is a tool and it has various inputs and various uh ways to use it to your benefit and if you don't know that then it's going to be to your detriment yeah. and and it's also about using it with with appropriate context and and making sure it aligns with your your actual beliefs so i I think i think just generally the discourse on these tools still has some work to do i don't think i don't i don't think we're there yet in terms of understanding what they are I, i did a um i did a small thread on this recently but I was just talking about uh, tools in specifically this case, FPL review. And I was, I was just explaining and, and reminding everyone that this idea of the optimal draft or the optimal way of doing things is a single output and that there are hundreds or thousands of other outputs that are so close in optimality or being optimal to that first draft that it is essentially meaningless yeah so it's easy to say this is the optimal draft this person's popping up a lot etc 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 but you shouldn't really forego your preference for the sake of the top result in a model or, or whoever's coming out in the most drafts yeah especially if it's not satisfying i mean i think what, what i enjoy about about these models is um, I, I, the strategy of FPL is what I, is what I really enjoy. And, and I love it when I write input my team and it spits out a few suggested transfers, for example. And there's a, a frequently like a minus four or a minus eight or something, something so wacky, right. That I, I just, I hadn't even entered my thought, you know, and enter my thoughts to even consider a move like that. And I don't necessarily even make the move, but I, it just the, the, the satisfaction of considering different strategic approaches is, is part of the fun for me. And so I really, I really enjoy it when, 
when the, when a model or whatever, you know, even, even, even I'm just talking strategy with somebody, it doesn't have to be a model, right. But we're just, we're talking specifically about models now, but um, you know, when just, when, when a new kind of line of thinking is introduced to me, that is part of the fun for me, whether that's a model or, or something else. And so it does seem like models are kind of the new way to introduce a new way, you know, a new kind of perspective. And so that's what, that's what I enjoy about it at least. Yeah, for sure. And I think you, you see that uh, littered throughout discussions on it generally when certain data sets or, or models are released. You see people's talking points change. That's not just models. It's the same with actual data and things like that. Again, we come back to the bookies odds. You know, when, when bookies release their predictions for where teams will finish, how many goals they will score, that 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 shifts people's perceptions as well. It's just another data point. And as you said, it's, I, I think it, I encourage everyone to get as wide, a, as wide a range of sources as possible and consider, consider all of them. So I, you know, I think we'll, I want to talk about your, your thinking going out into the season. I think we can kind of do that through the lens of, of squads and players, but just while we're talking about, you know, models and, and sort of, data inclined or data minded FPL accounts. Um, are there, you know, do you want to shout anybody out right now? I mean, I, I know we're, I know inevitably we'll, we'll forget somebody that you and I both really like, but are there a couple of people that you might recommend people follow if this is kind of their first introduction to, to looking at data? Are there, are there a few, you know, either websites or Twitter accounts or anything like that that you might suggest? Sure. So, so, so going from the very basics from a footballing perspective, you have to call out FB Ref, uh-huh. which um, just simply is a great source of freely available Opta data yep. presented to you in a very minimal style, in tables, with no agenda. It's just there for you to consume. I think the website isn't that intuitive but spend some time playing around with it learn how the menus and things work and it's a really good resource and then what i would also say staying on the football inside in terms of what i consume i because i i do have quite a light these days i have quite a light fpl diet Mm -hmm. i don't really consume too much fpl specific content listen to the Um, podcast every week of course of of course that's that is that is why i'm here fully endorsed (laughs) and uh i uh i i like anything produced by tifo Mm -hmm. particularly tifo irl uh john mckenzie and john mckenzie's got a particularly good twitter account he's very active and posts helpful stuff and jj ball is also great but Brandon likes that a lot too. Yeah, sure, and I and, and I think they they I mean their key strength, the USP, is really presenting the complexities of football tactics in in a digestible way, and, and and the reason I kind of want to shout them out in the context of this pod that we're doing, particularly talking about data, is date a lot of the time there can be a quite an unhelpful narrative that there's this kind of data superiority and, and data rules all and you don't really need too much else. And sometimes 
you know, some people might get a bit aggressive if people are leaning away from the data or like trying to use the data in what other people might view as an in, as an incorrect way. Mm-hmm. But my view is that if you're using data, you also need to be able to contextualize it and talk about it with footballing reasons. Mm-hmm. Because also, remember, what we care about is we care about things being predictive. So I think we'll come on to some of this stuff more in depth when we when we look at some specific Patreon questions. Yeah. But if you if the data says one thing and you want to know what will happen in the future, you've got to think about what is the predictive power of this data. And then also, if you think things will be different or your beliefs don't align and you're going against the data, that's fine. It's completely fine to go against the data, but you need to be pairing that with footballing reasons as to why you think the data doesn't tell the full picture. And I think TIFO is a really good introduction to, to start thinking in that way. Yeah, I I think that's right. And I will even add a third uh, a third point here, which is that I think you can make decisions for um, for data uh, sort of backed reasons. You can make them for for football inclined reasons. And then you can even occasionally throw in a really dumb reason. And because, as you were saying before, the season is so long and there's so many uh, so many different um, kind of ways to accrue points over the course of a full season that sometimes I will, and I'll just, I'll fully admit this. I will occasionally, if I'm debating between two players and I'm looking for a short term buy, I will buy the player that plays on Monday because I enjoy <laughs> having somebody in the final match of a game week. And I won't do it to be, you know, if it's, if it's, if one player is way ahead, I won't do it. But if it's just sort of, if, if it's pretty close and there's a, like an extra fun factor, uh, I, I will do that. And, as long as you're not doing that every single week and you're just sort of throwing that in as an occasional move, I think it's, it's completely fine. It's not going to destroy your season. So I think, I think there's kind of room for every type of thinking um, in this, in this approach. Yeah, for sure. And I think the key thing there is you're, you're being very honest with yourself when you're doing that as well. (laughs) Yeah. And and that's, and that's, and that's key. That's key. I think it's the, it's the dishonest or, naive use of of data or reasoning that that's really quite dangerous yeah you know, yeah. You're, you're everyone's free to do whatever they want just just be honest with yourself about why you're doing that yeah i think that's i think that's exactly right all right well let's jump into some um some squad and player thoughts ahead of the new season and uh I, let's start off with arsenal and liverpool they have this sort of uh well, actually, no. Let me ask you one quick question because I think we're going to get into it over the course of this discussion, which is, can you give anybody who's not familiar a quick elevator pitch? All right, we're going, we, you and I just walked into an elevator. We're going up 20 floors. Uh, what is X minutes and how important is it in your thinking um, throughout the season when you're making your FPL decisions? Okay, I'm assuming this building has 90 floors. Yes, 90, 90, minutes. 90 floors, and it's, it's an old school elevator with the. It's it's not hydraulic. It's just the X up and down. So you're you're really you got a lot of time. To, okay, <laughs> to do it. Brilliant. Yeah. Um, so yeah, let's let's not overcomplicate this. Very simple. When people talk about X mins, 
it's short for expected minutes, yep. which means how many minutes do you expect that player to play in this match? Yep. Now, why would we care about this? So, And why is it becoming important? And why do many think it is the last remaining edge in FPL? That's, that's, a, that's a statement I've seen a lot over the past year or two years. So it's a yep. prevailing thought that it's one of the last edges we've got. Yeah. So, so as a general comment, I think that the football discourse generally, and then also the fantasy discourse, has, has done quite well over the past few years in terms of their data usage and their data hygiene. So you can, I think you can take virtually any of the main uh, FPL content creator videos from any of the platforms, look at the videos they were producing three, four years ago, and look at the videos they're producing this season, and you will see an entirely different approach to statistics, different statistics yeah. used, and yeah. most importantly, certain statistics not being used anymore. Now, we are slowly getting better with expected minutes, but we're not, that's sort of the next frontier of progress, I think, and we're sort of in the middle of that now. And I think just very simply, the key thing is that it's this basic understanding that whatever you think a player can or can't do, you need them on the pitch to do it. Yeah. So it's all about normalizing things to power 90, which is part of the data improvement we've seen. People aren't saying anymore, oh, this, this player scored 30 goals last season and this player only scored three and the first player played 38 90 minutes and the second player played one 90 minutes right and you know it's 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 all about looking at the minutes played because ultimately all of these underlying stats are only they're only stats and relevant while that person is playing and is on the pitch and in the context of fantasy you only get points for things that are done yeah. And you know, if you want players that do those things, then you need to you need them to be on the pitch for that. And the longer they're on the pitch, generally speaking, the idea is that they've got more chance of doing the very thing you 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 pick them for. Right. Right. So like I mean, so like let's let's bring this let's bring Liverpool into this then. Um because I think that it's you know, like sort of use a specific example then. Um they are in an interesting spot. They uh well McAllister may have just limped off today, so that that's its own. But let's let's put that aside for a moment and hope that he's that he's okay <laughs> or will be very very soon. So you have you have all of these um, all of these a real midfield dilemma. I have a midfield and forward line dilemma. Really, you have um, you have Gabriel Jesus, Cody Gakpo, or not Gabriel. Excuse me. Let me, let me restart this. I'm a little messy right now. Uh, you have uh, Cody Gakpo. You have Darwin Nunez. Uh, you have Luis uh, Diaz, uh, Diogo Jota, um, et cetera, et cetera. You, you basically only have one person who is who is a, a true X minutes king, right? In, in Mo Salah, and you know, what are your thoughts on how we might resolve? I mean, can we even do it in preseason, or do we just need to avoid kind of all of these non-Salah midfield and forward players until um, you know until we have a few weeks of, of evidence? Yeah, so I think, again, 
this comes back down to if there is an edge left in fantasy, this is certainly a good place to find it. And I personally, I don't have a good answer to this question myself. I'm not sure. I will be avoiding a lot of these players that we are talking about simply because I don't think I have the ability to get the knowledge or the confidence levels there that any of them will play the minutes I want them to, to be worth it. But if you are confident enough in a specific player playing the minutes, then that, then that is, there is an edge there. Yeah. But I think you also need to always take a step back and realize that this is a game about managing resources under constraints yeah and and this is the real issue just generally with minutes in the context of of fantasy and i think you 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 see a lot of people on twitter who say who sort of rub their hands together and revel in people saying oh, you've got to avoid Nunes because the X minutes are bad. And they think, oh, there's a massive edge to get there because he will play or this idea that they don't actually need to play that many minutes to get the goals and things that they want. And, And I think people are free to take whatever view on that they want. I mean, from a game perspective, that's fine. Tools like FPL Review, are really good because you can adjust the X minutes and you can really see this effect that we're talking about of if they only play 40 minutes, then is it worth it? But I think the real key thing is just getting your own personal confidence levels there and, and reminding yourself that this costs resources. It costs you transfers. It has an opportunity cost. You have to forego other options it can mess things up quite badly if if you do get it wrong. Yeah, this is this is the problem I ran into. I had uh, one of my first drafts. I had Cody Gakpo in my squad, and I sort of, I'm not sure my thought process was articulated as well as the way you just articulated it, and and sort of in my head, right? Because we we sort of it's kind of in some ways, especially if you've been playing for a long time, the, this the thinking that you just outlined is kind of baked into your thinking a little bit, right? But I, I think that's exactly why I, I I won't have Gakpo going into the season because it's just I don't want to get that wrong. It's just a little too messy at the moment. Um, so I mean, in other words, well, okay, let me ask you specifically about Mo and Trent then too while we're talking about Liverpool because um, Mo Salah comes in at. 12 million just turned 30 years old uh trent comes in at 8 million um and uh which is which is which is um, i don't know for i guess for he's arguably been a bargain even at his high price uh for for many years but they don't have a defensive midfielder right now <laughs> um and he is um certainly has not gotten any stronger as a, as a sort of on the ball defender um, over the last couple of seasons. So what are your thoughts on, on Sala and Trent going into the season? Do you think you'll have either both, neither, um, you know, where, where are you with those two players specifically? Yeah, sure. Okay. So I think this is a, this is a very, a, a very sad topic because these, <laughs> these, these players are beloved by us but but i and i think by calling it sad you can kind of see 
where I'm going with this. Yep. Yes, I can. Um, yep. <laughs> and, and particularly with the the Mo, the Mo Salah part of it, I think there was a Patreon question. Shout out to the Patreon again. That was kind of Mo or No. Yes. And yep. and I think that's a question that is perhaps better phrased as do you want Mo or do you want Harland? Yeah. Because the key thing in my view is I don't think you can have both. I think you just sacrificed too much this year. So because of that, and I don't really have the appetite for going without Haaland, I'm currently no on Salah. I, again, I can't, I can't fit him in yep. with Haaland. And Trent, Trent is so, I don't want to go on a rant about fantasy here, particularly about prices, because uh-huh. then this would be the longest pod you've ever done. Uh-huh. But I, I, I've been quite public with my views about pricing, that they bungled it last year, and yeah. they've, they've done it again this year. But specifically, what I, what I don't get and what is frustrating is that they have bumped up Trent to 8 million that is so out of sync with what they've done with the rest of the pricing. So Trent at 8 million would usually or should in theory be fine and be appetizing. But in the context of everything else just being so right. much cheaper. Two and a half million, cheap, uh, someone like Ben Chilwell, right, is two two and a half million <clears throat> cheaper. Yeah, Chil- Chilwell's, Chilwell's two and a half cheaper. And especially the, I mean, the the five options we've got, you know, we've got um, Estupinian mm-hmm. and then you've got loads of good 4.5s this yes. season as well. Yep. Um, you've got you've got the Villa defence there. You've got Newcastle defence there. There's I also think there's going to be some starting 4.5s for Chelsea as well. And Arsenal ones are five, Gabriel's and Jenko. It's just in the context of the the meta we've got this year based on the pricing, Trent is really hard to justify, I yeah. think. That's a good um, perspective. That makes sense to me. I, I think I, I, I certainly, again, this is uh, the context of what we're saying here. Again, I just want to sort of repeat what I said earlier about we're talking about sort of different solutions or drafts that are quite close to each other. So, you know, if your preference really is that you think Trent and Salah and Liverpool are, are going to really hit the ground running and and be great for fantasy, then don't let that don't let that stop you. Yeah. I don't think I don't think they're that I, I don't think Trent is that far away. Um, I think I think Salah with Haaland probably is, um, but but again, don't forego your preference if you if yeah. you if you strongly have that. But for me, I currently have neither, and I'm not sure yeah. I see that changing. I'm I'm going back and forth. I I may have finally talked myself out of Salah for exactly the reasons you just articulated. I I do think that Virgil Van Dyke um, is is an interesting question um, at, at six million. I I guess my worry now is just whether, I mean, if McAllister is gone, Fabinho, okay. I mean, people could argue that Fabinho was addition by subtraction, but still um, it would be great if there was somebody who could play the, a defensive midfield spot for Liverpool. And at the moment they haven't really 
solve that problem. So it makes me wonder, again, if you can get Arsenal defenders, central defenders for 5 million, you can get Man City central defenders for 5.5 million. Is 6 million for Van Dyke really worth it just because he's got a little bit more goal threat? Probably, you know, it's, it's, it's a tough call. Yeah, it's a tough call. And I think Liverpool and again, a couple of other teams with them are going to be really key teams for inserting your football interpretation of certain things. Um, Personally, for me, I haven't quite seen a footballing explanation that satisfies me in terms of why exactly they capitulated to the extent they did last season and then in turn an explanation as to why that has been resolved this season. If I, if I had, if I had to give sort of an off the cuff thought about Liverpool, it's kind of at the moment, I'm kind of thinking they'll probably finish third or fourth best team in this, in the league. And I think they'll probably get there scoring a load of goals and conceding a load of goals but just scoring more that's currently my my thinking yeah but again if if you have a different preference then that interpret that that should inform the kind of assets you pick so again if that that's my thinking makes trent even less appealing to me yeah i think that that makes sense i mean because if you see him almost purely as a midfielder um there are midfield options cheaper than I mean, you can get someone like Matoma at 6.5 million, right? And so it's, it's um, okay, well, let's, we could, you know, again, I, I'm conscious of, um, I feel like we could spend 20 minutes on each of these uh, teams, but let's, let's talk about Arsenal a little bit. Uh, Gabriel Jesus, it just came out this afternoon that he is out for a few weeks. Um, any thoughts on how this might impact uh, Arsenal? I, it, my, my feeling, and I, and I think this is backed up in the, in the actual FPL returns, but my feeling was that, and Katia up front was not as good for Gabriel Martinelli in particular. Does that do you said jibe or have you thought about that at all or how, how, how Gabriel Jesus being out might hurt, might affect the team as a whole. Yeah, I think, I think it's a really, it's a really good, good question. Um, because it wasn't even, it wasn't even clear to me before Jesus got injured exactly how they were going to use all of their forwards that they've accumulated now yeah. plus Havertz as right. well. Right. So I didn't even really have a view or an answer to that before he got injured. And I'm not sure if him getting injured makes it simpler or not. Um, I'm, I'm quite, uh, I'm quite famous for being a fan of Trossard for various reasons. I uh-huh. think it could be very good for him. Yeah. Um, I, I, I think Arteta might like him in that kind of more central role. Over, over and Ketia, allow, perhaps. Yeah. I just, I mean, I really like him. I really like Enketia, but I, I don't really, I mean, they've got Enketia and they've also got Balogun, but right. I don't right. really, it seems I, I, again, I don't, I'm not informed on Arsenal enough to know. So if anyone does have a strong opinion on this, please do reach out. But it just seems to me that Arsenal never really have had or do have any intention of using either of them. 
Yeah, it's it's really it's really hard to say. It, it feels um, it, it feels a little messy. My feeling is if you if you truly think that Arsenal is a uh, is the second best team in the Premier League, then uh, Saka at eight point five million feels like a like a very fair price and and maybe maybe slightly underpriced. Um, any thoughts on Saka? Saka versus Odegaard debate is kind of interesting to me as well. I don't know. Um, I guess I have to admit I am a little, even though Gabriel Martinelli was so good for my squad last season, I think that Gabriel Jesus news takes him out of the equation a little bit. I, I remember once somebody once saying that it's, in some ways it was the, the sort of, Jesus and Martinelli paired up really well and Odegaard and Saka sort of like they sort of they kind of looked to each other. And I, I don't know if that was actually a data backed piece of analysis or not. But um, do you have any thoughts on Saka versus Odegaard or preferring one over the other? And so I feel very strongly about Saka. He is probably one of the players I have probably second to Haaland definitely going to be starting with him in my team I've I've done zero thinking about it since the prices and everything were released I think he's as close to a century as you can get considering the 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 role he has in that team the numbers he has underneath that penalties the opening fixtures I, I, and then also the minutes, as yeah. we've as we've mentioned, if there is a dilemma about minutes in Arsenal, there isn't a dilemma about Saka's minutes, as far as I can see. No, not um, at all. No, no more than anybody else who's who's kind of a, a lock. Yeah, and then in in terms of the other midfielders, I'm I just need to get myself there with Martinelli's minutes mm-hmm. um, for me to consider whether I want him or not. I'm not that hot on Odegaard. Um, I never really, I don't think I owned him at all last season. Um, I think it could, I think players like that, James Ward-Prowse also falls into that category yeah. where I think I probably do have a blind spot to them yeah i think that that could be a uh, an area of improvement for me i'd find my i find it really hard to semantically and emotionally to get myself there yeah. you can sort of squint your eyes and see a value priced kdb you know but he just needs to we need to ensure that he'll actually score enough because it's it's the goals that he scores tend to be kind of right place right time kind of things right it sort of falls to him outside the box or I mean even the, the free kick stuff even less I think it's really more about the kind of so yeah well, he might have been a, a tiny bit lucky I, I actually don't know what his xg versus his actual goal scored last season is but I, I wonder if he overperformed it a, a little bit um I, I don't want to put you in the spot here I don't know if you know what it was offhand. no no well I mean I mean yeah. you just you just have you just have to cast your your mind back to the goals that he scored last season and it's there's there's obviously an overperformance of of xg there yeah and then i suppose it you adjust, adjust that for adjust that for whatever you believe his finishing skill yeah. is and his likelihood to repeat those kind of screamer goals but I, yeah I, I picked i pulled it up while you were talking fr- from fb ref which is uh he scored uh 15 goals on an xg of 10 so a, a five goal uh, over performance there Okay, I want to move on to some of the questions that we got from uh, from our Patreon supporters in a second, but I I just want to do a couple uh, quick hits on on some squads and players, some well some teams and some players that um, have given people 
um, a little bit of a headache. And you know, one of them for sure is is Chelsea. Um, they we we expect they'll be better than they were last season. Um, but how much better do you think they'll be? Are there players that you're targeting on these squads? I mean, it feels like Nicholas Jackson has really taken off in the last um, week or so mm-hmm. as a as a as a kind of much discussed FPL asset. So, you know, what are your thoughts on Chelsea generally? Yeah, so I think I, I do think it's fair to say that Chelsea are definitely going to improve. But I I currently don't know what is a reasonable expectation yeah. on that improvement yeah. or what it might look like. I think for me, f- firstly, in terms of specific players, um, Nkunku, Nkunku is um, phenomenal yeah. and was always going to be phenomenal. And it will probably be, on average, the best asset at any given time from Chelsea. Mm-hmm. And in terms of Nicholas Jackson, that's that's a good one to talk about in terms of exactly how or to what extent will Chelsea be better. And coming back to this whole idea of you've got to back it up with some footballing reasons. Yep. And for me, from what I've seen and what I know about him, you know, it, it, I'm not sure how predictive this preseason we've seen from him and Chelsea is going to be, but he definitely adds something new for them. You know, there's, there's a specific ball that we've seen in quite a few games that they play for him to run onto. And, and and it's just not something Chelsea had previously. So that's like a real new footballing thing that, that could translate into relevance, but I'm not sure exactly what the, the minutes will look like and I think then the defense is 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 a big question mark for me if if I have a rough idea about how the attack's going to improve it will look like how I just outlined but the defense I I really have no clue what a reasonable expectation of their defense will be this season so I feel too I mean I I, there's a part of me that wants to just take a flyer on Ben Chilwell and and hope that it works out um he, we did our, our little defender ratings and he, he sort of just, just missed the cut. I think he was like 11th in our, in our defender ratings. And, um, you know, what do you, any thoughts on him? I mean, Reese James to me is just off the table. I can't handle the the risk of, of recurring injuries with him, but, um, any thoughts on Chilwell or, or James for that matter? Yeah. Chil- Chilwell is, Chilwell is, is one I like. Um, again, coming back to, the, the the footballing side of things again what we've seen in preseason is he is the one of the 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 back four that is running up and the other the other three sort of move into a back three and he is just getting all the way up yeah. that left side yeah. um and it seems from what i can see to be pochettino giving him a license to do that rather than just sort of chill well going off on a jolly on his own um like like andy robertson does sometimes Mm -hmm. that i think is so obviously not what klopp wants him to do but he does it anyway where which which obviously you worry about because then it could just stop but with chill well i think it does seem to be that he's going to continue doing that so if i think i am leaning towards starting with chill well at the moment and then potentially Nkunku. I'm not sure there's enough that can happen that will make me start with Jackson or anyone else. Okay. 
Yeah, I think, and yeah, I, I, I could see myself with with Nkuku and Chilwell. I, I think you may have really convinced me on Trent. I, I was sort of starting to make a case for him, but I, I think you're right that just the, the kind of value over replacement player. You know, it's a sort of just the, the price. Yes, is so yes, much exactly. Higher. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right. Well, let's talk uh, just a, c- a couple more quick questions, which is. Uh, we haven't talked very much at all about the promoted teams this year. It feels like an especially weak pool of promoted clubs um, in, in terms of what. Listen, I mean, we'll see what happens um, in terms of their their actual, you know, match points. But from an FPL perspective, I'm not seeing a ton of value. Is there one squad or one club that kind of stands out to you that might be a little bit better this year? Yeah, so I, I think I think Burnley are are, are pretty hyped because company. You know, particularly from a sort of romance narrative yes. perspective, yeah. what 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 company's done there is really nice. You know, he's come in, he's revamped everything, he's changed the style of the club. You know, they they dominated the championship last season. It's there's a lot of hype there, a lot of you know, just a lot of good football, feel good stuff. Yeah. Um, but I think we need to proceed with caution yeah. because. They, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but they ran very hot last season in the championship from an attack perspective. Yeah. Um, so I think if there's going to be anywhere of value with them, it will be in defense yep. where it seems they were truly solid. But I think that it's worth paying attention to them in the first few game weeks to see what they look like and to see tactically how they look also, how they set themselves up. Is there any accommodation happening or are we kind of going to see almost a Leeds, if you remember Leeds first season where they didn't compromise and they started shipping a lot of goals. Yeah. A lot of fun. Um, Yeah. Yeah. A lot of fun. Um, okay, let me do. Let me ask you one one more kind of big picture question. Then, then I want to get into these um, these supporter questions, uh, which is uh, about goalkeepers. And I'm just curious, um, who who is your? Okay, let, let me ask this broadly. Uh, what are you thinking about in terms of the goalkeeper position this season? And have you zeroed in on a keeper that you plan to have in your squad? Are you still debating between a couple of options? I feel like I'm still a little bit on the fence between a 5 million and a 4.5 um, sort of basically Pickford versus Onana are the two that I'm considering where, where are you right now with, with keepers? Yeah. So I think, although I was sort of ragging on the pricing earlier, I think the keeper position is actually the one position this year that is really nicely priced mm-hmm. in terms of what you get at the different price points. I would probably say that I'm leaning towards 4.5s like Johnston and or Pickford Mm -hmm. at the moment. But there's great choices at every price point. And I think that probably there's going to be more switching between goalkeepers during the season than we've seen before. Interesting. Yeah. that's That's my first reaction to the selection we've got. Yeah. I don't think that there's any sort of best price point this season. A lot of the 5.5, never, you know, the never buy 5.5, never buy 5 million stuff is kind of a bit misguided. In my view, they do offer quite good value above the lower priced ones if you select 
them at the right times and yeah. for the, again for the right reasons. And, and Man City don't concede um, one goal from one shot on target in several matches, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, but, but I guess that's also my general I, my general thing about goalkeepers because I did have a little bit of a. Um, there, there, I, 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 I did lean into sarcasm a little bit um, on Twitter last season to do with Edison, I will admit. <laughs> with regards to, you know, picking a goalkeeper is, is, is a hot topic recently and people sort of seem to dismiss Edison because of this kind of, oh, concede one goal, he doesn't get any save points, doesn't get any bonus points, etc., etc. But the, it doesn't, you know, goalkeepers are the most difficult position to accurately predict points just because of the way they're set up in the score system. That is true. Trying to model goalkeeper points and and project it is kind of a little bit of a, as close to black magic as, as modeling can be is very, very difficult. But that does not mean certain things are not more likely to happen than other things. So, you know, just because Man City did receive some insane variance for that period last season, that doesn't mean that that is a fair reflection on yeah. what Edison is as a as an asset here. All right. Well, let's. I, yeah, I'm. I'm glad to hear that we're basically in the same page, though. I. Yeah, John Stone probably. Uh, we we probably need to give him a little more love on the pot. He was terrific uh, in the second half of last season. Um, but let's let's move on to some some questions from uh, always cheating patrons. Um, I think these are these are fundamental. I'm going to limit us to, let's say four. I'm going to give you four questions, uh, lightning round style, uh, which is which is just joke. Take as long as you want to answer any of these. But um, Sir Matt Ma says, can you name a player who may have a breakout season? He says, I keep finding myself strangely drawn to Darwin and would really appreciate being talked out of it. So any any breakout candidates uh, emerging for you right now? Right. So I think I would I would say from an FPL perspective i quite like the darwin nunez call there Mm -hmm. i think i'm happy to kind of agree that again it's about the minutes yeah and and it seems based on what i've heard that Klopp has kind of almost explicitly told us what the route to those minutes will be which is basically his defensive contribution okay okay um i think Klopp has basically said darwin will get in the team if he ups his defensive contribution to the level that I think probably Gakpo does. Um, I'm personally, I'm not convinced we're going to get there, but if he does get the minutes, then it would be a breakout season. I think he is just chaos incarnate. I love it. And he will just, just FPL points will magnet to him. I want, I want to like Darwin. I just, uh, I, I worry still that he's a little too in his own head. It just feels like he's, I mean, even today, I think he had a big, big miss in the match. And it just, there's, there's an element of, but I remember when Firmino first joined, Firmino is also a player who was known for his defensive contributions. And that, that first, I, I can't remember, I can't remember if he joined at mid season or if he'd played a full season. I'm not a Liverpool supporter, so I can't remember this exactly, but it felt like it took him a little while to sort of settle in at Liverpool as well. And then once he did, it became this kind of, all-purpose dynamo, right? Who could score and was unselfish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Defense. So, um, I, I am, I'm, I'm a little on the fence about Darwin. Anyone else come to mind right now? Anyone else that you're kind of excited about? 
So, okay, so I'll give another one, but from a footballing perspective, okay. it won't necessarily transfer into FBL, but it could do. But I'm buying a lot of uh, Kevin Shard, Sharder's oh, stocks from Brentford. Yeah, yeah. I really think it's going to be a breakout season for him. If, if he gets the minutes, then I think we're going to see double-digit goal contributions from him. He's wow. 5.5 FPL, so if if he does get the minutes, he will automatically be an FPL option. But I, it's it's very hard to know exactly how many minutes he's going to get. But I yeah. rate him a lot, so I'm happy to go on record that I think this is going to be the season where he really introduces himself to everyone. Great. And that is probably playing a left wing with, with, um, and Bobo on the right, I guess is how that would work out. Probably most likely this up front. Yes. So, so Shard is incredibly flexible. Um, and I think for Brentford, we'll see him on the left and slightly more centrally. Um, but, but even when he was in Germany, I believed he got most of his minutes on the right. He can do, he can do anything and everything up, up front. And that is also the issue for all of the, Brentford front players I think they've got one of the most flexible front lines in the Premier League which is a bit of a headache in terms of working out where those minutes are going to go and and Bomo will get more minutes than anyone else by far Um, that's not a headache it's just who's going to fill in um, the centre forward and the left wing position. I'm concerned about Vissa because he's he's only six million he's very appealing as a a forward option but I, I just worry about whether he's a consistent enough starter in that in that squad i have to still giving that a little bit of thought i I, we'll see we'll see you know some of it comes down to what i do with trent as well you know am i going to have an extra 1.5 million or so to to throw around somewhere um yeah so anyway all right well let's move on to um a couple more questions here um michael asks are any man city players other than holland worth the risk it's a good question yes so general comment First is that I think Pep Roulette or whatever you want to call it is much less intense than it has been in previous seasons. Okay. The past season and a half, the lineups have been relatively consistent and relatively easy to predict compared to recently. Yeah. yeah, compared to previous seasons, sorry. So firstly, I think that's a little bit overblown and I think you're going to see a season where it's much easier to pick those Man City midfielders than previously. Pep, Pep, will, Pep will always still Pep, but in terms of worth the risk, I think I, I think Grealish is probably the next best bet. I think he's going to get a lot of minutes. He's going to continue to to to, to be a threat, yeah. and on balance of everything from the midfield, I like Grealish the most. Obviously, okay. we all, we all, we all know what Foden can do, yeah. and what Foden can do in less minutes than Grealish. Yeah. But um, I'm not quite sure um, if it's worth that over Grealish when you compare the minutes difference at the moment. Yeah. And then defense is always going to be fine if yeah. you're if you can get it right but they've just agreed um a deal for gradio as well haven't they that. so yeah yeah million or something like that some insane amount probably good value actually that's true <laughs> I, think, I think he's very good and backs, i think he will yeah, play a lot center backs and uh center backs and defensive midfielders right you can't you, you can't really ever pay for them um, what about uh, Alvarez? Uh, any thoughts to him? I, mean, I know he's a, he's a risky one as well. Um, I think he could get some starts, but I'm still a little I'm a little cautious there. He's very cheap, though. Yeah, so uh, I, I hate to use the term, 
but Alvarez is probably one of the closest things we've got to a game breaker. Mm-hmm. Uh, if he does reliably get those minutes, which I think will be quite easy to predict if things like KDB injury niggles yes. continue to be a theme, sure. yeah. that kind of thing will make it a lot easier to predict. I think in absence of that kind of stuff, I don't think it's going to be the season where you can pick him without targeting it at yep. the moment. Yep. I, I think we're going to see increased minutes from last season. Uh, he's he's going to be better than last season. Um, but again, it's constrained. It's a, const, it's a game under constraints. We've only got so many transfers and stuff. There will be a time, there will be a game week, you know, there'll be a double game week where it might, makes sense but i think not to start with unless you've got particular insight that yeah. that he will get the minutes you need i do think the community shield on sunday may give us a, a sense of what what pep might or, or you know i don't know i think it's it, it has been a fairly because they played in basically every community shield over the last several seasons it's, it's, it tends to be a pretty reliable indicator of the kind of lineup he's gonna be rolling out early in the season so um yeah we'll see we'll see what they have what he does there yeah, and and I think with someone like him, you don't need too many minutes. I mean, I, I, uh, in addition to Trossard's, I'm also quite famous for being a, a, a lover of Ferran Torres, mm-hmm. and I and I started the season with Ferran Torres two seasons ago sure. and held on to him until game week three when he oh, got that 18 point haul yeah. against yeah. Arsenal, yeah. but that was a really kind of similar situation where I was v- I was very very confident that he would continue to start the season and even continue to start game week three based on the state of their squad and who they had available. But I was only expecting about 60 minutes from him. But in my view, that was enough. And it's very similar here with Alvarez. So you don't need, don't, don't, don't get too up in your head about, about it. If you think you're going to get a good hour out of him, then at that price, worth a, worth a consideration. Yeah, the at that price being the crucial uh, part of that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, all right, well, Shivroy, uh, I hope that's the actual, I, I don't know what that would, what do I mean by the actual? That's not, not a real person named Shivroy, but uh, let's hope it's the actress who played Shivroy who asks, uh, how many Premier League newcomers is too many Premier League newcomers throughout the season with? Um, there are a lot that appeal to me, Nana, Diaby, and Cuckoo, to name a few. So from your perspective, uh, you know, our, our kind of, uh, European, I think these guys all come from various European clubs. Um, do European stats, are they a reliable predictor of what you're going to get from an FPL perspective from the kind of these new players? So could you, would you risk having three brand new in the Premier League players in your FPL squad? So w- without dodging the question, I, I personally don't really like this idea of being a Premier League newcomer, um, or, or, or that kind of thing, just generally conceptually. Um, for example, I listened to um, the Athletics Brentford All Access podcast I did recently, and they, there was a good bit in there where they spoke about the Brentford recruitment team places almost no emphasis on the idea of Premier League experience. The question is, are they good enough, and do they fit the role? And that's kind of more where I think you need to lean the analysis towards. So, for example, let's talk about Nkunku this season and Jackson and Diaby. 
I, I think they're good enough. I, I, the fact that they're new to the Premier League, even if you want to apply a healthy tax on their numbers, I still think they're good enough and there's still options. And I don't think having any amount of people that are good enough is too many. But you just sort of also need to be kind of confident um, that they're going to be able to translate those numbers in appropriate in an appropriate way. Yep. So I, I, to take another example, I was quite high on Skamaka when he moved to West Ham. Yes. I really I really thought that was a good transfer for West Ham and I can't believe they secured it over other teams. I thought Skamaka and I do think Skamaka has lots of potential. And then and then he went to West Ham and he just didn't seem to be used by Moyers in any way that was conducive to his skill set and yeah. where his good numbers were. Yeah. And I don't really think that's anything to do with the Premier League. I think it was to do with that specific situation that that he went into. Yeah, that that that, that makes sense. I mean, I think uh, I mean in West Ham maybe are kind of notorious for that too, right? Who's the um, uh, Halle? Yeah, was the other yeah, one. Who, who was terrific for for Dortmund last season. So um, okay, yeah, I think I think that I think that's a good that's a good perspective. And I I, I think in Cuckoo in particular, I mean, he's just been. Um, um, He's about as reliable. I mean, he might as well be a Premier League transfer in terms of what kind of track record we have on him, right? I mean, he, I think he's probably one of the least risky um, new signings we've had. I mean, you can just—it's so clear how he can fit into a into a Premier League squad. Um, yep, I fully agree. All right, well, let's let's wrap things up then with uh, a defender question. Love to love to talk defenders. Um, we did our defender pod on Sunday, and it was one of the trickiest pods we've done in preseason because there it's just such a gigantic pool you know to choose from it's really hard to narrow narrow it down and um uh as you may have heard uh the premier league has decided to do a world cup style uh of uh, of extra time now so we may get something like 10 11 minutes of, of injury time now at the end of matches so fpl guy says given the decision to add extensive injury time minutes at the end of games does that change the way you think about defenders heading into the new season so does that affect your your thinking at all i don't know one way or the other about what kind of defenders you may want marginally, marginally yeah. so I think the impact of this is currently being overblown a little bit. So, yes, we will see less clean sheets, but it will be very marginal. Okay. So, I think if you, you know, if you draw out your clean sheet percentage likelihood per game, I think when you average it all out, you're looking at 1, 2%, 3% less of a clean sheet. Yeah sort of per game it's really marginal and also i mean i mean to put it another way in my this is my view to put it another way you can also think about how it will impact attackers because then obviously that informs how many goals you expect to be conceded you know let's take let's take harland who i think we can agree is is the one who scores more goals than anyone else yeah and let's take let's take a really generous approximation that Haaland roughly scores 0.8 goals per game which is which I think is fair even including penalties that sounds about right Mm -hmm. the you know roughly if you do some backing envelope maths my view is that sort of between one to two goals more per season that he's going to get purely due to these extra minutes that are added on 
Like if you if you roughly think it's going to be an extra actual five minutes of played time every single game, right. that's only a, a that's only a goal or two. Right. So I think people are, yeah, I think people are overblowing it a little bit. Obviously, then you know if it is genuinely fifteen minutes of, of actual play every game, we see extra. Then you can times that by three. But yeah. I, I don't think it's going to be like that, and it's quite yeah. marginal. I'll add on the just on the margins that I, I'm sort of delighted by this. I, I think uh, I, I I honestly feel like. And I, and I, I've, I've sort of, I'm basically just fine with VAR now. I had some issues with it being sort of poorly implemented at the start, but I think once they introduced the uh, Dutch style thick lines, it basically fixed all of my, all of my uh, issues with it. But um, I, I do feel like the minutes spent doing VAR, doing VAR reviews has never really been fully accounted for in terms of injury time. And so I hope that this uh, helps with that a little bit. So, um, all right. Well, we got through that one quickly. Let me ask one more defensive question then, which is from Harbor Boy. He says, what is the actual relative importance of clean sheets, attacking returns, and bonus when it comes to picking defenders? Because we hear a lot of narrative about it, but some aspects of defense provide greater points advantages or do some aspects of defense provide greater points advantages than others. So I guess when you're sort of modeling or thinking about defenders, are there are there certain things that you weigh most heavily? Like, is it a defender with some attacking potential? Is it just value? Um, you know, so what are what are you sort of weighing when it comes to picking defenders? Yeah, so th- this is this is a this is a great question. Um, basically, my view is that clean sheets will always be the bread and butter, followed by goals or assists, depending on which way you pass that up. Mm-hmm. So. You know, clean sheets are always the event that is most likely to happen for defenders. And you get four points for that. And, yeah, you get more points for goals, but they are significantly less likely to happen than than a clean sheet. And then you obviously only get three for assist, which kind of put it up there. So, I I mean, you know, again, let's, let's, let's do some quick back of the envelope maths. You know, like Trent last year, he got 10 clean sheets. That's 40 points. He got two goals. That's 12 points. And then he got 11 assists. That's 33. So, you know, goals and assists are, are below the, the clean sheet amount. And I think those are fairly normal numbers yeah. or even low on the clean sheet side. It's always going to be your bread and butter is clean sheet. So always be careful of getting too focused on a defender that yeah. is a great threat. That's a great way to frame it. I love that. I, I have never actually thought of it quite that way before. So I just, I, yeah, I love, I love, well, this is a perfect way place to end this, this podcast. Cause I, I love the way you, th- I love the way you think and I love the way that you've framed it for people listening to the pod. And for me personally too. Um, so uh, Steve, thank you so much for coming on the pod. I had a great time talking with you. I really, I found it very insightful and, uh, and really interesting. So thanks. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, no, thank you so much for having me. It's a real privilege. I've really enjoyed it, and I hope to be back again. Absolutely. And uh, maybe we'll, uh, maybe when Brandon gets down from climbing the Statue of Liberty or whatever it was he was doing today, we'll, uh, we'll get him on the next one. Um, just want to quickly, once again, so, uh, say go to patreon.com slash always cheating if you want to support the podcast uh, and uh, get extra podcasts each week um, at all. Um, and I uh, want to quickly shout out our uh, always cheating producers as well. Uh, thank you to Mike DiPietro, Trevor Ingerson, our buddy Chris Howell, Babas Kuhn, James Holland, Dave Wagner-Lodell, Nick Wright, Lazarus Yenos. 
Jesse Halstead, Bruce Kerr, Brian Chin, Blair Jacobson, Todd Byerly, Andy Portlock, at FPL Merch, Gary Swanson, Jefferson Turner, Buffalo Wild Mings, Francis Moore, Sam Shower, Caleb Robbie, Belgar Paulson Kruger, Alex Holcomb, James Keatley, The Saint, Bob Fox, Craig Jackson, Sean F. Kadakia, Terrence O'Donnell, Paul Herzig, Heath Cram, Thomas Tisloff, Noah Louise, Travis Grant, Julio Pena, Linus Wennerstrom, and Dan Parsons. You can find the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Acast, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. You can also follow us on Twitter at Hail Cheaters, Instagram at Hail Cheaters, Facebook at Facebook.com slash always cheating, I think. You can email us and you can find the Always Cheating Super League by going to alwayscheating.com or website, clicking that button right at the top. So thank you uh, once again, Steve, so much for coming on the pod and uh, let's have you back soon. Thank you so much. All right. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around, a watch she can wear every day from Movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom, and a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style, all for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast-free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.